Well, have you ever, have you ever noticed that uh, during the month of January, many of us, we, we set goals, we set habits, things that we want to accomplish. But have you ever noticed that a lot of those goals remain the same? Has anybody ever noticed that? That it's usually, in fact, what are some of the goals that, that people set at the beginning of the year? Yell those out to me. What are some of those goals? What do people try to accomplish at the beginning of the year? Yell it out. Work out more. Lose weight. Yes. What else? Eat better. Okay. Eat better. Yes. We got, we got the physical one down, right? <laughs> Is it, finances. There we go, right? So we're trying to improve our finances. Uh, maybe for some of us, we're looking for a job. We're looking for a better job. We're looking to you know, improve that part right there. Uh, but, but I have this question because typically when we set a goal, we, we tend to apply this strategy. And the strategy is this, that we try to take massive action to achieve massive goals. We, we try to take big action so that we can achieve a big goal. In fact, I'm curious if maybe uh, your life looks like this when you set a goal or if this sounds familiar to you. So the first one might look like this. You're trying to lose weight. You're trying to, you're trying to get in shape. And so step one, you join a gym. They have a special. They mailed it to you. You got it on the internet and you signed up for it. So what do you do? You go on Monday night at six o'clock when everybody and their mom is there, right? And you stay for two hours and you work out every single body group on your body. And not only that, then you top it off with a little bit of cardio and then you go and reward yourself with a smoothie and you go hard at it, right? And then what happens? Well, by day three, you literally cannot move your body, right? You're so sore, you're so stiff. And then what ends up happening is your brain tells you that was a terrible experience. And so you go less frequently. And then all of a sudden, step five, you're in the same place that you were last year. How about this? Does this sound familiar? This one, you're, you're trying to get into a better financial position. You're trying to lose some, you know, lose some debt. You're trying to do this. And so step one, you cut up credit cards. You decide, I have got to get rid of credit cards. I heard about a guy who cuts up credit cards. And so I cut them up. I throw them away. Step two, you slash the lifestyle. I always love when people try to improve themselves financially. It's always, they always cut out Starbucks. What did Starbucks ever do to you people, right? Like they always cut out Starbucks. They cut out Netflix. And then by step three, you get over overwhelmed because you're like, ah, this is not working as well. And now I can't even go and hide and binge on some Netflix episodes. And so by step four, you find yourself signing back up for Netflix and finding those credit cards that you just cut up trying to glue them together. And you're in the same place as last year, right? Now, I think many of us, you you can pull those down. I'm not going to do that one. But I think many of us uh, have been in this place before. In fact, it was very easy for me to create these slides because that's what my life has looked like before, right? But, but I, I wanna, I'm curious. I'm curious this morning because how many of us have, want to achieve things, but what we, the way that we try to achieve it is we try to take massive action and we try to achieve like these massive goals. And what we find is that that doesn't work out super well. And I also wonder, I wonder if there's other people that are in this room and you, you kind of laugh at the people who set goals because you have become so discouraged that you don't even try anymore. And so I want to talk to everybody in the room this morning because this is what I believe. I believe that, yes, something has got to change. Yes, many of us are either at a place or we've been at a place where we are here, but we want to get here. We're there, but we want to get to this place. But in order for me to get to this place, something has got to change. And so this morning, what I want to give you is I want to give you some very tactical, some very practical things that you can begin to apply at this point to get you to where you need to be. 
And so that's what we're after this morning. So if you have your Bibles or you have a way to get a copy of the Scripture, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can move in that direction uh, at this time. Also, if you're new with us or first time in a long time, this little white piece of paper has the scriptures and points, and this is for you to take home, write on. I'm a note taker. I like to scribble things. I like to draw pictures. Maybe not draw pictures, but I like to do stuff, right? And so that's for you. But let me give some brief context. So we have been, we have been looking at the life of King David. And through King David, now I have to uh, admit that uh, I'm, I've grown up in the church and many of us have, had, have heard of King, King David before. And I always thought and believed that God just plucked David out one day and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And then David didn't have to do anything. Because, and then God took care of everything for David. That he paved his path, that he paid all of his bills, that he bought him a new car that he set him up with the people that he was supposed to marry, right? I always believed that. But what I've learned in studying this is that, yes, God had anointed David to be the next king, but David was also very involved in the process. And can you hear this this morning? Not only do I believe God wants to get you to where you need to be, but God will also work in concert with you if you are moving in that direction. God will work with you to get you to where you need to be. And the same was happening with David, that he's, he was anointed to be the next king, meaning that God had given him a new identity. Hey, you know the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that first, or 2 Corinthians tells us that whoever is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. And I love that. God gives us a a beautiful starting point. But did you know that for many of us, we said yes to Jesus 25 years ago, and our life still looks the same from 25 years ago. Yes, you're a new creation. But in order for you to get to where you need to be, there is work involved, baby. Turn to your neighbor and say, it takes work, baby. Let him know. It takes work, baby. Turn to your other neighbor and say, don't call me baby. Right? Right? But it takes work. And so what we have is King David moving in that direction. Now, David hits this challenge in his life. In fact, it was not only a challenge for David, it was a challenge for the whole nation of Israel. As, as they were, uh, the nation of Israel was beginning to form and just think, it wasn't like the United, you know, the United States or you know, some big nation. It was the beginning stages of a, of a nation. And, and they're beginning, and right when they start to get off the ground, right when that plane starts to take off, the Philistines, who were their kind of arch nemesis, they show up and they're like, uh-uh-uh, this ain't happening. And they had this guy named Goliath. Everybody say Goliath. And Goliath, Scripture tells us he was nine feet nine, right? So he probably played for the Lakers, right? He was like this giant person. And, he, and they would send their champion out. And the champion came out and just taunted Israel and said, Hey, this is what we'll do. You send us your best fighter. I'll, I'll fight him. Whoever wins, then they win the whole, the whole game. The game is over. Nobody else, has, nobody else has to die. And so Goliath shows up. Now, Many of us have heard the story of David and Goliath before, and it's easy to go ahead and draw your conclusions. Yeah, 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 I've heard that before. David defeats Goliath, blah, 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 let's move on. Is Chick-fil-A open today? The answer is no, right? (laughs) But would you look at it through a new lens? Would you look at it through this lens? Because I believe that many of us have Goliaths in our life. 
I believe that many of us, as we want to get to that place, as we want to get to where I believe God is actually calling you to get, there is this thing, there's this challenge, there's this whatever it is that stands in between where you are and where you need to be. That thing could be debt. That thing could be a physical issue. It could be health. That thing could be a relational issue. Whatever, it could be your past. It could be emotional health, mental health, whatever it is. Many of us have something that is standing in the way between where we are and where we would like to be. Now, as we read the story, that's how I want you to picture this, this story in this context. So if you have your Bible, say, I got it. All right, well, we're gonna have it on the screen just for you, beginning in verse 32. In verse 32, it says this. So David comes to Saul and he says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant is gonna go and is going to fight him. For a second, pause there. Because isn't this how we start 2019? Isn't this how we start a new year? We say, I got this. 25 pounds, I'm gonna knock that out in two and a half days, right? $30,000 in debt, no problem. I'm just gonna cut out my Starbucks for one month and I'm gonna achieve that goal, right? But isn't this how we start out? We start out so excited and we start out with energy and we start out with vigor and we start out with this whole idea of I can accomplish this thing. But then what happens? Someone shows up and pours cold water on your energy, they show up and they start to tell you, you can't do this. And, they start, and we have a word for them and it's called haters. Does anybody have any haters in your life? Say yes, right? It's like I posted this thing and that person posted that thing and that person made that comment. We all have haters. And guess what? David had a hater in his life too. And his name was Saul. And here's Saul. So David shows up. He's a little boy. He's like, I can do this. We can do this. God is with us. And here's Saul pouring cold water on him. Saul replies, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only, and then you fill in the blank. You're only this. You're only that. You only accomplished this much. You have this past. I know who you are. You look this way. And fill in your blank. Can you hear something this morning? Anytime you are trying to better your life, anytime you are trying to move from where you are to where you need to be, you are going to have somebody in your life telling you that you can't do it. And you need to be able to absorb that. And you need to know that that is coming, that is on its way. Now, I joke, and we, we had fun with this whole idea of a hater, people having haters in their life. And, you know, some of you, maybe you do actually have a hater. Maybe it's your mother-in-law or something like that. I don't know, right? But maybe you have something like that. But I would guess for the vast majority of us, it's not necessarily a physical person, but rather it's an internal dialogue. We are the ones that end up hating on ourselves the most, we're the ones that remind ourselves, you can't do this. You can't go out and fight against them because, this, because of this, because of your past, because of this mistake you made here, because of this decision. And I wanted to set up this part for us before we get past it because it's easy to mow past this and find out that we find ourselves in the same place as we are in one year from now. So David responds. He says, I got this. And Saul says no. But then David reveals his strategy. And he goes, he continues. He says, but David saw, said to Saul, 
your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, if you have a Bible, you're taking notes, highlight that because we're going to come back to that. And I I love this part of the story, right? So here's this champion, a nine foot nine giant who has a body armor that weighs more than David. And he says, I'm a champion. I'm a a grown man. I've accomplished so much. I've done, I'm ready to fight anybody that Israel has. And then David shows up and essentially he comes to Saul and he says, listen, I got a great idea. I'm going to fight against them. And, and Okay, like what's your qualifications? David's like, I've been watching YouTube videos, <laughs> right? I'm ready. Essentially, he's like, he's like oh, well, I've been, I've, been out, I've been out tending to my father's sheep. But then he continues. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And then, I love this, this is like biblical trash talk for you, right? He says, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Don't we love that? You know, somebody added that back in there. You know, David was just like, I got this, right? And they had to like write a bunch of stuff so that we would read it and feel inspired. He goes, the Lord who rescued me from the, from the lion and the paw of the bear. Now, there's some pieces in here I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss this part. There's three words in there. The Lord will, the Lord will. We're gonna come back to that. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And so Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, let me point out two very, very quick things this morning, because uh, the question is, what what prepared David for such a giant feat? Like, what prepared him to be able to be in this place where he would challenge somebody? There's two things in it. The first thing is diligence. David was diligent. You see, the passage that we read, if you could go back a slide, the passage that we read where David says, hey, I have been tending my father's sheep meaning that I have been diligent with the little things that God has put into my hands. Yes, there was no go to, go to defeat giant schools that I didn't attend, but everything that God gave me, I was diligent with. And, and as I was diligent with these little things, God gave me a little bit more. At, at first, it was tending to my father's sheep, and then it turned into I had to rescue the sheep, and then it turned into I had to, I had to kill a lion and I had to kill a bear. But all along, he was diligent with these little things. And I believe it was the diligence in the small things that set him up to be in a position to where he could win the big thing. The little things, the little pieces, diligence. David was was diligent. I don't want to miss this part. David tells King Saul that he's been preparing for this moment for a long time, essentially is what he says. David had been diligent and faithful with the smaller challenges, and it prepared him for the giant challenge. When I was uh, growing up, uh, I went to uh, school. I grew up in Ohio, and, uh, in south south part of Ohio, and uh, loved basketball. I was a big basketball fan. Is there any basketball fans in the room? Any basketball fans in the room? A couple, like, one clap and a couple waves, right? right. Yep, and then the mandatory Laker, Laker comment. Uh, Julius, Julius is a, the worship leader's big basketball fan as well. We love basketball. 
Um, and, and I grew up loving basketball. I, I was uh, just, we played it all the time. I, I have uh, two other brothers, and we just, we all played. Well, when I was kind of coming up through school, uh, the way our school system worked was we didn't, it was a little different, where like kind of everybody in that town went to that school. But there was another school, it was a Catholic school, and there was another kid named Paul Volkerding. And we were in the same, we were in the same class, but he went to the Catholic school, and I went to the, uh, actually went to a Christian school before we, we got into, uh, into high school. But we played the same position. And Paul, I had learned of Paul's legend long before I ever showed up. Essentially, like I had people in my own class who kind of grew up with him. And this was like, this was like, just think about the uh, Rocky Four with the Russian, right? Does it, was it Rocky Four with the Russian? Just checking your movie knowledge back there, right? Right, where they, it's all they do. And so here's Paul. All he does, plays basketball, plays basketball, plays basketball. Anyway, so we get into high school. And Paul, uh, I made the freshman basketball team. Paul made the JV basketball team. I thought, well, this is not going well for my high school basketball career, right? And uh, so, so then the next year, sophomore year, I made the JV team, but Paul made the varsity team. But one of the things that I, I didn't get discouraged, one of the things that I did was that every practice, every drill, every time the, the gym was open, I was diligent in all these little things, little, little drills. I, I wanted to be as, the best that I could be. I wanted to, the, to rise to the top. I had no control over what coaches did. I had no control over who got moved up and all that stuff. And every day, I got a little bit better. I got a little bit better working on that left hand. Hey. Right? Right? A little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. All along the way. And sure enough, as in my sophomore year, my sophomore season, one week before the opening weekend, one week before uh, basketball was, was starting, my high school basketball coach got, got uh, upset with our senior point guard. He just wasn't practicing well. He wasn't doing well. And he said, that's it. Chad, you're out. Myers, you're in. And I started to practice with the ones, and, and I didn't mess up. I didn't do anything that was, like, that was bad or anything. I just, I operated. I did the game plan. I did the stuff, and we got, and I did well all week. And the whole time, I can feel the tension building between me and that senior point guard, right? He's like, who is this kid, right? And we, but it was doing well, doing well. And then all the way up to the, the, the 10 minutes before the tip-off of our game, my high school basketball coach comes to me and says, hey, if you're nervous or if you want Chad to go ahead and start over you. And I thought, oh, I, no way. I said, there's no way. I said, I've been preparing for this moment all my career, this whole time. And I, and I went on to, to start, start that game and, and, and other games. But here's the whole point. If you'll be diligent with the little things, if you'll be diligent with the things that you can control, when you get to the place where you have a big moment, God will show up in that moment. If you'll be faithful with those little things, if you'll be faithful with the small things, then that will set you into a position to where you'll be ready for that Goliath moment. It's diligence, David does. The second thing is this, is confidence. David had a confidence. And it wasn't an arrogant confidence. It wasn't a confidence that was rooted in delusion. David had a confidence in God. We read this passage where it says, the Lord will. The Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, who rescued me from the bear, will also deliver me uh, and help me defeat this Philistine. Do you need to hear something this morning? Wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, if you are moving in the direction that God wants you to move in, you have three powerful words that are at work in your life, and they are the Lord will. The Lord will. 
The Lord will help you with your adult children. The Lord will help you overcome that financial burden. The Lord will help you get into the career you want to get into. The Lord will help you overcome that past. But God wants to work with you. He wants to work in concert with you. And you need to take these words and just sear them into your brain that the Lord will. The Lord who has delivered you in the past, the Lord who has provided for you in the past, the Lord who made a way where there didn't seem to be a way will also get you to where you need to be. And you can have confidence in the Lord in that. Some of you need to hear that again this morning. Because we sit around with, oh, woe is me. The world is going this way. I don't know how this is going to happen. And you need to hear this. The Lord will. The Lord will. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I do know three words. And they are the Lord will. The Lord is going to get me where I need to be. The Lord is going to accomplish the things that need to be accomplished. The Lord is going to set the world right. The Lord will. Do you know how freeing that is? Do you know how much peace will flood your soul when you say, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm being diligent with what you've given me, but I believe the Lord will. Whoa, I'm moving on. (laughs) The Lord will. Diligence, confidence. Now, we can, get, we can stay there and we can do the rah-rah thing and get excited and get encouraged. But I want to point out what exactly does David do? David accomplishes something that is unbelievable. This little boy beats this giant champion, Goliath. Right? And, and I believe that there are little things that David was doing all along. I believe that God was with him. But what exactly did David do? And I want you to notice the detail that the author puts into this story because he puts it there on purpose for us to learn from it, for us to gleam from it. Look at verse 40. In verse 40, it says, David, right, right before he goes and he approaches, approaches the, the, the giant, right when he's getting ready to engage, right before he's, he's about to step into that space, he does something interesting. It says that then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones. So he goes to a stream. He goes to a place where he was familiar with, where he knew what he, he was going to get, where he, what he needed. He puts them in the pouch on, a, on his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand, and then he approached the Philistine. Imagine the, 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 the irony of this picture and this story. Giant nine-foot-nine champion Goliath with a sword and a shield and a spear and body armor. David, King David, shows up, he has a staff, and he has a sling, and he has five stones. This is what he's doing. But he does something interesting and powerful. David, what, he has, what he's doing is that he's autom- he had automated a small action. You see, David had a routine or a ritual that he would deploy before attempting to accomplish something. You see, David went and he did what he was familiar with. How many times did he go and he, he was about to go out and, and tend to the sheep and he went to that stream and he automated that process? I know I'm going to face some challenges out there. I know I'm going to deal with some stuff out there. And so I got to come to this place first and I got to get my staff and I got to get my stones ready and I got to get my bag ready because I know I'm going to face some challenges out there. Oh boy, this is preaching. 
How many of us, we try to take on things over here and we aren't ready because we haven't been here? How many of us, we try to take on a conversation, we try to take on something big over here, but yet we have not bent our knee to our Lord and asked him what he wants us to do today? How many of us, we're trying to step into some place we've never been before and we're trying to accomplish, a, be Goliath, and we are not ready for it? But David, what does he do? He automated a small action, bends down, gets his stuff ready. He's like, I don't know what it's going to play out. There was no guarantee in the story that David was going to be Goliath. You know that. There's nowhere where God says, hey, if you bend your knee, buy the five stones, I'll help you beat the Goliath. Things are going to work out in your favor. Nowhere. All faith. He had such a confidence in God. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know where this thing's going to end. But this is what I do know. I come to this stream every day. Every day I come to this place. I get my staff. I get my stones. I get my bag. And, I, and, I, and I'm meditating and I'm believing that whatever's out there, God's going to help me overcome that. Whatever I need to accomplish, God's going to help me accomplish that. I don't know what's going to play out. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I'm going to start in this place. And he automates a small action. Boy, if you would begin your day by giving thanks to your heavenly father, what could happen as the day unfolds? If you would give your heavenly father five minutes, meditation on a scripture, how would that empower you to accomplish great things in your life? Oh, some, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, tell this guy to move on, right? Tell him, turn to your neighbor. Now, David performed this habit hundreds if not thousands of times. Don't miss this. You don't get lucky and kill a lion and a bear, and you certainly don't get lucky and kill a giant. David's routine of getting his staff and his stones and the stream and placing them in the bag, having the sling, they were all habitual. But what they did was they created an initial path toward success. Now, these are, these are some, uh, and, and, what it, and what it ended up doing is that when you automate small actions, it will help you accomplish big goals. And this is the big idea. This is my big point. Don't miss this. If you lost me there and you're still thinking about the stream and the stones, uh, come back. Accomplishing big goals begins with automating small actions, right? We need, to, we need to get rid of this whole idea that big action will, will lead to big results. If you'll automate small things, small habits, right, that's how we'll accomplish big actions. Now, I, I want to give two really quick examples that are not in the scripture that are out there, uh, out there in the world. And um, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, there, was this, there, was this, uh, there was this fella named Peyton Manning before. Has anybody ever hear of Peyton Manning? I know we've got a, a guy in uh, some Patriots gear here today. Uh, but uh, Peyton Manning, 12 years ago, we're, we're almost into the Super Bowl. Anybody love the Super Bowl? Say yeah. Anybody love the Super Bowl? Right? Some of you are like, I can't believe he's going to talk about the Super Bowl in here. Right? Well, you'll get through it. You love it. You'll watch the commercials just like the rest of us. Right? But, but 12 years ago, uh, in the Super Bowl, it was between the Indianapolis Colts and Chicago Bears, and I think it might have been the first time ever that it, was, it rained at the Super Bowl. I mean, that is like about as ungodly as it gets, right, when it rains at the Super Bowl. But it rained at the Super Bowl, and it was in Miami, and, uh, you know, both teams were, had, had prepared. They had like two weeks to prepare and game plan and scheme and do all the things they needed to do. But one of the things that you can't always predict is the weather. And so they get into the game, and the, and the game ended up causing quite a bit of turmoil and turnovers for the Chicago Bears. 
But interestingly, for the Indianapolis Colts, they didn't have a problem handling the ball. They didn't have a problem with the center to quarterback uh, snaps. But it didn't happen because it was a miracle. Here's why it happened. Peyton Manning would, would deploy this drill every couple of weeks, and he called it the wet, wet ball drill, where him and his center, Jeff Saturday, would get together after, before practice, after practice. They would dump those footballs in the water, and then they would sit there and take hundreds, if not thousands of snaps, never knowing if it was ever going to work or if they were ever going to need it. And then sure enough, Super Bowl Sunday, it rains, and guess who's ready? Peyton Manning. And sure enough, they go on and they win the Super Bowl. Second example is this. Ten years ago, ten years ago, many of us remember uh, seeing the news that uh, a plane had crashed or landed into the Hudson. And it was this, this Captain, uh, Captain Scully, and we were all amazed. In fact, it's called the what on the Hudson? The miracle on the Hudson, right? It was a miracle that he was able to land this plane perfectly at the right angle, at the right speed, that didn't tear up the plane, that nobody was hurt or died. And we all thought it was a miracle. Wow, Sergeant Sully must have ate his Wheaties that day. But the truth is, is that he had over 19,000 hours of flight time before he got into that. And they practiced these types of things regularly. You see, if you will automate small actions, it will actually end up helping you achieve big goals. None of us are going to step up to the plate when we need to step up to the plate and be able to accomplish something big if we don't take care of something small. Now, here's why this is important this morning. Here's why this matters. Because many of us attempt to, to try the big Big action, big result strategy. We try to take on massive action. We think if I'm going to, hey, I haven't, I haven't talked to my adult children in seven years, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to show up at their front door with a dozen roses and say, hey, I'm back. It doesn't work that way. But if you'll start small, a little comment here, a little thing here, right? And by the way, those that don't have estranged relationships with their adult children, if you'll come back here with your baby children and, and spend time with them and do the things that you need to do, guess what? When they become 22, you have a relationship with them. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You have an 18-month-old. You don't know what it's like to have an 18-year-old. But I've been 18 before, so how about that, right? And I know how my daddy raised me, and I know how my mommy raised me. And that was when I was 18 months old, they were back here spending time with me, having conversations with me, putting my needs above their needs. And we had a great relationship. Oh boy, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, tell him to move on, move on, it's getting uncomfortable. Let me end with this. Because this, this is what I love about South Hills. This is what I love about what we, we do, is that we have taken a... a topic of scripture, we have taken an idea, and there's a lot of, I I hope, there's a lot of good nuggets, but now what we're going to do is we're going to land this plane with some practical things that you can take home today. Because it does not, I I don't go home and feel all warm and fuzzy because someone said amen to a point of mine. Although you are more than welcome to say amen as much as possible, I'll preach better, I promise you. What I love is when you go home, you take this stuff and you begin to apply it to your life. When you begin to do things in here that we've talked about and it ends up, you actually end up seeing results in your life. 
because I can jump up here and move around and I've got my watch on. It'll tell me how many calories I burnt today. (laughs) But that does not do anything for me if it's not impacting your life. And so here's the nuts and bolts part for us this morning. Very quickly, in verse 38 and 39, what's interesting is that the Bible actually reveals a strategy we try to deploy often. Saul, when they are about to fight, Saul comes to David, and the traditional wisdom is that he's got armor, he's got a sword, he's got these, a certain strategy, so we need to match that strategy with this strategy. And so Saul shows up, and he tries to put on the things and tries to put on a coat of armor on him and the helmet on his head, and David, David fastens the sword over the tunic. And this is important. I'm not going to jump into this, but he tries the strategy out, right? He doesn't just tell Saul, you're a fool, and I shouldn't do this. He tries it on tries it on and he realizes this is not going to work for me. I cannot go in these, he said, because I'm not used to them. And so, so he takes them, takes them off. And just a quick point there, would you be cautious of the strategies that other people try to force on you? Would you be cautious of the strategies other people try to force on you? Some of us, we look at our parents as the, as the ideal relationship and it's like, well, they didn't murder each other, but they stayed together. So by God, that's what a healthy marriage looks like. Oh, really quiet on that one, right? Right? But would you just be careful, right? Some of us, it's like, well, my parents had a certain way that they handled money and finances, and they always had debt, but you know what? They always seemed to make it through, and it seemed like they were happy. Would you be careful of the strategies that other people try to put on you because it might not fit you for the battle that you need to fight? The second part is this. The second part is this, is that David deploys a, a different strategy. He does, he does something uh, that is uh, very, very helpful. He deploys self-awareness. David tries on the gear, realizes that that's not what I'm used to. I have this whole routine where I go to the stream, and I have a way, a certain way that I fight. And so he deploys self-awareness. You know, self-awareness is one of the most valuable things that you can have in your life. It's the reason why every single year we get into a new year, all the top tens that people want to change don't change because they're not deploying self-awareness. They're not looking at, wow, I've had the same goal for six years. Is there something wrong with my goal? No, there's something wrong with your strategy. The way that you're trying to accomplish your goal, there's something wrong there. And he deploys self-awareness. So here's the big, big question for us this morning. Is, is how do we deploy a better strategy? If, if I believe that God is moving me in a direction, and whether you're here this morning, this morning and you don't believe in God and that's not even part of your language, well, then let me take that out of here. You believe that you are supposed to be in a certain place. You're, you're, you're trying to get to this certain place. If you're, if you're moving in that direction, well then how do we deploy a strategy to help you overcome this Goliath thing so that you can get to where you need to be? Two really quick, really quick things. The first thing is, is envision. Envision your goals. Envision your goals. And let me give this one scripture very quickly before we go there. David, in verse 49 and 50, just to complete the, the circle with his story. Right before he goes to the, he, he's, he's in battle and the, and the giant is coming after him. And here's what he does. He reaches into that bag and he takes out a stone and he slings it. Strikes the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he falls face down on the ground. Boom. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And I love how the author puts that part in there. 
He did it with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. I believe what David did, now, now we're going to show you something, you can put this up. What David did, I, I think he envisioned that goal. I believe that he, he, he believed God was with him, that he was going to deploy the things that he was used to and the ways that he was accustomed to fighting. But I believe that all along he had envisioned his goal was to take down this Goliath. Now, this is a way I want you to take home and I want you to, to begin to operate in your life. Because if you have a very hard, if you have a goal and it seems very hard, hey, I want to do this. I want to I pay off student loans. I want to I improve this relationship. I want to finally stop doing this habit. But it feels like it might as well be Goliath. You would rather fight Goliath than have to deal with that habit or that, whatever that thing is. Put that thing down. Write that, it, whatever it is. Now, the way that we're going to do it is as we envision our goals, then we're going to map out how we're going to get there. And you'll notice that there are steps all along the way. And this is how, if David were to break this down, this is what I think it would have looked like. I think the very easy step was that step where he goes to the stream and he gets down and, he's, he, and he had automated this habit. This was part of what he did. And he gets down and he gets the stones together. And then the next step that I, I, he would have done is that he's tending and he's protecting the sheep. It's not super difficult, but it is more, it's another step. And then finally he gets to a place where he, he has to rescue. The, the sheep was taken off and he has to go after it and he has to rescue it. That's a, that's a moderately hard step. And then the hard step is a, there's a lion shows up and there's a bear that shows up and, he, and he's got to kill it. But the hard thing, the thing that he was after was being able to defeat Goliath. But do you see all along he was employing steps? Now, if I were to break this down for you, and just as a quick example this morning, is if you wanted to run a marathon, right? Hard goal, it's out there, whatever that thing is. Well, the first step is put on your running shoes. Put on your running shoes. Walk for 10 minutes, walk 10,000 steps, run a 5K. And I already know, because I know you, because I, I know me, I know that you're already thinking like putting on your running shoes is stupid. Let's just go ahead and run the 5K, right? Let's just go ahead and register for that and jump in. But, but may I suggest to you the reason that your goals stay the same every year is because you won't do steps one, two, and three, right? Because we just want to jump into the thing. We want to jump into the big, the big thing. But what would it look like for you this morning? What would it look like for you to deploy a strategy that looks this way? I want to invite our, our team up. Team, you guys can make your way up here. And let me end with this. The first thing is envision. The second thing then, like that first part of putting on your running shoes, what that is, is that is automating a small action. Putting on your shoes is automating a small action. What it's going to do is it's going to move you. It's going to move you down a path of success. And whatever that looks like, if you want to get out of debt, maybe that first step is getting down here at the stream and creating a budget. Maybe the first step is getting down here and actually attending a Dave Ramsey class. It's buying a book. But you make the step easy so that you can accomplish it before you step into that. You know, one of the things and one of the reasons that we offer the Discover class, which we're having today, right after the service, in the fellowship hall, is because we make this an easy step. Hey, you want to know more about Jesus? You want to know how God has wired you? We, you want to know how, uh, how we believe that you can actually go on to help the church change the world? You want that big goal? You're like, yes! Where do I sign up? Back here. Come back here. Come to Discover. First step, easy. Okay, got that one. 
Let's take another step. Okay, God's calling you to trust him a little bit more with your finances, with your talents, with your thing. Ooh, that's, that's a little bit tough. Well, yeah, but you had to discover. You've got this step. You're taking another step. And before you know it, you're out here on this place and you're accomplishing great things. That's how you move at it, people. That's how you move at it. Anybody you study, name whoever has accomplished something who's created a great product. They didn't just all of a sudden show up with the iPhone, iPhone 10 over here. I mean, we're an iPhone 10 because we had iPhone probably A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, Z. Then one. All along. Do you like that? All along. Envision your goals. Establish a gateway habit. Establish a gateway habit very, very quickly. And a gateway habit is something that should only take two minutes. If it takes longer than two minutes, then it's not a gateway habit. Putting on your shoes, you can put your shoes on in two minutes, I hope. If not, I'll help you discover one as well. (laughs) Establish a gateway habit. Envision the goal. This is where I want to go. This is how I'm mapping it out. Now back here, this is the habit that's going to help me get into it. Before I start my day, I'm with the Lord. Before I step in to greet my wife, I'm not going to bring all the junk, all the garbage in. Before I step in to be with my 18-month-old daughter, I'm going to take a breath, clear my head. I'm going to be with her, be present. Those are gateway habits that enable you to have greater successes. Now, why am I inviting you into this? Why do I want this for your life? Because here's what I believe. I believe a win for you is a win for them. I believe a win for you here is a win for them later. I don't have time to get into it, but you can go home and read your Bibles. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, how does the story end? Does, this, does the story end with David standing over the champion? He had taken off his head, and he's just standing there looking like the Captain Morgan guy? Oh, some of you are offended. I said Captain Morgan in church. Come on. I watch TV too. Is that how the story ends? No. It's not, it doesn't end that way. What happens is, once the giant falls, boop, the Philistines think, oh boy. And the Israelites are like, let's go. They get inspired. They get energized. And it's like, it's like Braveheart. Ah! Philistines don't want to have anything to do with that. Don't miss this, though. Don't miss this. A win for David was a win for Israel. A win for you is a win for them. And you might not even know who the them is yet. My, when we got married, I've shared this before, I had over $100,000 in student loans coming into the marriage. How sexy is that? It's not, is the answer. And we just, you know, we had all this, this debt, and I, I, I was responsible for it, and we wanted to have children. We didn't want to wait super long. We wanted to have children. I did not want to bring children in the world when Daddy has a $100,000 student loan. And so what do we do? Well, we got married. We came to the stream. We got down, right? Prayed, God, we don't know how we're going to accomplish this. Heard about this guy named Dave Ramsey. Took a course developed some habits, began creating budgets, began to work at it, began to throw every single dollar we could, slash the lifestyle, 
we slash cable, which is like maybe the 10th fruit of the Spirit, I don't know, right? But we got rid of that stuff, worked, 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 worked. And in 18 months, God enabled us to pay off over $100,000 in student loans. But the best part is, is that we got to welcome our baby girl with no debt. We, we got to step into a new place with no strings attached. You see, a win for me, a win for us, was a win for her. She'll never have to know family debt. She'll never have to know that peace. What is it for you? Where is it that God's inviting you to take some steps to get some wins in your life? I want you to win. I want you to stand over the giant, right, and look awesome, and, and, and it is a great moment for you, right, and we'll take a photo of it and put it on social media, and it'll be great. But what I want even more for you is I want your children to win because of the win and the price you paid back there. But it doesn't happen on a hope, a wish, and a prayer. It happens by employing these steps, by automating these small actions, by taking steps, envisioning where we want to be, and then uh, establishing these habits all along the way. And I believe we get to 2020 and beyond, and you look back and say, wow, God is so good. God is so good. Would you pray with me this morning?